and Ibira. Well, on Father's Day, it's been the, uh, for years, you always praise the mothers and you beat up on the fathers. Today I am going to try to be an encouragement, and that's what I am seeking to do today. And so we're going to be in Deuteronomy chapter 6. Let's all stand in honor of God's word. Let's just go straight to the scripture. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4. Okay, if we don't have that, then we're going to go... We'll just read it. Hear, O Israel. Hear, O Israel. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commandments I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your heads and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on your door frames of your houses and on your gates. I want to I read this out of the Amplified. And it says, in uh, these words, verse 6 says, And these words I have commanded you this day shall be first in your own minds and hearts. And so he's talking to the people. He says, the first thing they need to be in your heart. And then it says, then you shall whet and sharpen them so as to make them penetrate and teach and impress them diligently upon the minds and hearts of your children. First, they're to be in you. And it says, then you take those words that I've given to you and you make them sharp and smooth so that they will penetrate deep into the hearts of your children. I want you to think about that today. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. Thank you for your word today. And I pray, God, in Jesus' name, Father, we have felt your spirit so powerful here this morning. We thank you and praise you for that. We thank you for the worship time, God. And so just just carry us on through. Speak to us through your word. Encourage our Father's hearts today. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Being a dad is kind of kind of tough. So I would like, I want to encourage, I want to teach maybe uh, uh, wives and kids sometimes Sometimes the things that you expect from dads are just, we just can't do them. We just can't do them. And it's interesting because usually, uh, you know, in, in here it gives us some jobs that guys are supposed to do. But dads are supposed to have a working knowledge of everything that they own. Like how to fix everything they own. I don't know if this has happened to you, but uh, this has happened to me. My wife drives a whole different car than I drive. I don't drive her car. I hardly ever drive it. If I can get out of it, I never drive it. I just want to ride. I just want to ride in the car with her. And usually we drive separate rigs. But she'll come home, and this has been in different cars, all different cars that we've had. She'll come home and she'll just say, what's wrong with the car? I don't know. I haven't been in the car. I haven't drove, driven the car. I have no idea what you're talking about. Well, it's making an this noise and some and and because we're men and God has made us fixers we immediately think that what's ever wrong with the car is my fault and I've got to get this fixed and I and so I should somehow know how to fix this thing and so I'll go out there and 
I'm raising the hood. I don't know what's under the hood. I'm, I keep hoping that someday when I raise the hood, there'll be a big red arrow pointing to whatever is wrong. I'll say, oh, well, yeah, that's the old gutenator switch right there. It's, and then one day the bootnator is mixed up. The gutenator and the bootnator, that's what it is. That's what's wrong with it. What's wrong with the, what's wrong with the TV? We went, me and my wife, went to a condo down at the lake, and there was three remotes on the table. And she sat down in there, and I was taking a shower, and I came back in, and she goes, how do you work this? And in my mind, I was thinking, what in the history of our life of 30 years together would make you think I know anything about electronics? And she's like, well, you've you got to fix this. <laughs> and the kids are the same way. Dad, what's wrong with this? What's wrong with this thing? What's wrong with the stove? I don't know. What's wrong with the dishwasher? I don't know. What's wrong with the car? I don't know. We're supposed to know everything. Let me tell you, folks, before you say, mothers, wives, kids, before you say these things, be gentle and just ask them, I don't know if you know anything about this, but this is, don't say, what's wrong with that? We don't know, but we act like we do. My wife, you know, what's wrong with the washing machine? I'll go in there. Okay, I'll... And I twist all the knobs and raise the little thing. And, and she goes, well, I already did that. I know! I just was killing time before I had to admit I have no idea what's wrong with this thing. But we're supposed to know. Somehow or another, we're supposed to have a working knowledge of everything that happens in this world, but that's, and that's our job. But there are some things that are our jobs. I mean, there are some things that... that now, sometimes you can fix things. Sometimes you can fix things. We live in this, this trailer house that we've lived in for over a year now, and we're... Man, I can tell you, I can just see a peep of light and hope at the end of the tunnel. I mean, I can... I'm almost there. I'm almost there. We're going to be living in a real house where I can stand up and with a real flushing toilet. That's what we're, me and Cindy are both, we're all really excited about that one. And so we're working on that. But while we're in the home there, the little trailer house there, our bed is up in a, kind of over where the trailer hitch is, up over the trailer. And the rest of the, rest of the camper stays pretty somewhat cool. But that place there is high and it's towards the ceiling and, it's, and it just gets hot in there. And it takes a long time for that to cool down. And so I said, I'm going to put a fan up there. I'm going to put a fan. So I got one of them awesome, I mean, there's no room for anything in there. And so I finally found a place in the corner by where my feet are. And I said, I'm going to put this fan here. I've got a fan, oscillating fan. Turn the fan on. We're sitting in there. It's not blowing. It's going round and round, but there's no air blowing. And so I turn it up on high. And, it's just, and Cindy's, Cindy's, what's wrong with the fan? So I look at the fan. I'm like, I don't know. It's going round and round. It's blowing. I don't know what's wrong with the fan. And she goes, well, there ain't no air coming through it. I said, I know. It's so hot. I'm like, I know there's no air coming through here. My wife, the human campfire is over there. I mean, I'm not kidding. In the wintertime, I just... So we got this fan. There's no fan. The fan's not blowing. Yeah, okay. 
So I look in the back, you know, and, and because we are such a ignorant society, they have made fans completely impossible for you to hurt yourself with them anymore. You cannot stick your finger. I mean, when I was a kid, they had big, wide things. You could stick your whole hand in there and get it cut off. And that's why they worked so good. But now, you could not stick anything in there. And it is so constricted that there's no air that can come through there. So I'm looking at it, and I'm like, oh, I can fix this thing. So I take the blade off, and I take the cage off, and there's no cage at all. (laughs) That thing blows like a hurricane. Just Cindy goes, is that dangerous? And I said, probably. But man, there's like a breeze that blows through my... But every now and then at night, I'll turn over and my foot will get caught in it. But as long as you come in on the front side, you're all right. If you come in the back, you could lose an appendage. But on the front side... I mean, the other night, I was just like, oh. Cindy's like, go back, Go back to sleep. You're all right. I fixed that one. I got that one fixed. That's our job. That's our job. And then scripture in here says we got, we got some other do- jobs. We got some other. You know what's funny, though? Is sometimes my wife will ask me to fix things, and I'll say, I can fix that. And she'll go, really? She asks and asks and asks, and then when you finally say, oh, I can fix that, she'll go, really? Can you Really? And then she questions you. Anyway, it's our job. It's our job. We've got our jobs here. Each of us have talents, and some of us have talents, and we can do things, and some of us have other talents. But this says, this here, if you ever wondered what being a dad is and what your main job is, it's right here in Deuteronomy. And it says you, this is for all dads, and all dads can do this one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your mind, and heart, and your entire being, and with all your might. That's your job. Whether you can fix the fan or not, doesn't matter. This is your job as a dad. That's the main deal. I love God with everything that's in me. He is the beginning. He is the end. He is everything I do. No matter what my job is at work, first of all, I love God above everything else. He is the most important thing. Dads, that's your job. That's your job. And then it says, and, and, and these words, which I commanding you this day, shall be first in your minds and hearts. And so it says, first of all, you get that right. So dads, this is the first thing. You get that right. I love God with all my mind, all my heart, all my being, everything in me. I get that. And then it has this word that is so awesome. And it's the second thing. And it says, then, then... You somehow get what's in you and you put it inside your kids. That's your job. And it doesn't say, love the Lord with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your might, and everything like that. Then teach your kids this and teach your kids that and take them here and take them there and take them do whatever you want to. It doesn't say anything about that. It says your job, and we, and we have lots of things that we like to do. We have lots of things that we want to teach our kids. And we have lots of things that we want to do with them. But it says, first of all, before you do anything else, you get me in you. And then you get me in them. That's your job. And I think sometimes in the church, we think that's my job. 
and I've got a job. And, and I'm supposed to help you with it. And I want to come alongside of you. And brother, I want to help you. And we do everything we can to, we want to help you along in that job. But the job of getting what God is in you, inside your kids, fathers, and I'm, and I'm not saying this to beat on you today, I'm encouraging you, that's your job. And sometimes we just need to know what our job is. Sometimes we just need someone to say, hey, this is your job. And say, okay, I'll get that done. You know, if you're at work and someone says, okay, I need you to do this and this. Okay, I can do that. Okay, this morning, God in you, first and foremost. Second, God in them. And he tells us this is what we're supposed to do. And, that, and, and we have to realize that there's only one God and that, that's all, that he is everything. He's supposed to be everything to us. He's supposed to be in, in the very first thing in our life. So the first thing is God has to be first in my life. And then I can put it in someone else. If I love God, then I will put what is in me in them. And then he says, then. And then I love the next part. And this is what has really spoke to my heart. He says, he says all these things. And then he says, then. And then he says, verse 7. And he says, you shall whet and sharpen them. He's saying, these words that I've put in you. This thing that I've put in you, these words that I've put in your mind, he says, you take them and you whet and you sharpen. We don't speak like that anymore. If we say whet, people think, oh, you just spit on it and get it wet or what, what do you do? Whet is like, they used to, used to have a whet, whetting stone. They called them a whetstone. And you'd put oil on it or spit on it or whatever you do. But you'd whet. It's called, it was called whet, W-H-E-T. I want you to take that word and use it in a sentence today while you're with your family. Okay, that's your chapter now. You can do it. I think you can. Anyway, so he says to whet and sharpen. I'm supposed to whet. So I'm supposed to take what God has placed inside of me and I am supposed to whet and sharpen and make smooth and somehow I'm supposed to get that into my son. And I'm supposed to get that into my daughter. That's, that's my job. He has trusted me with these words. He doesn't say he's going to do it. And I know that he does. But he says, that's my job. That's my job. And so I got to thinking about this. What does this look like? So first it's in me. And then I have to put it, put it in them. And it doesn't say to force or to push it on them or to argue it with my kids or to try to beat it into them. And, and I've tried that and it doesn't work very good. But it says to whet those words so that they will penetrate into them. And so I got to thinking about how we do that. And, I've been, and, I, and, I, and we've been studying on Wednesday night. Uh, this came up. Our job is not to be against people. Our job, our, our job in the church is persuasion. I think sometimes we think it's them against us. And we're fighting in this battle, us against other people. That is, we're trying to persuade people. Now, there is, a, there is a war that we are waging against evil. And I'm not saying we don't do that. But that's not against people. The people that are lost, this is really good. The people that are lost are victims of the enemy. And we have to see them as people who are lost. Not as, not, they're not the enemy. They are victims of the enemy. And my job is to seek to persuade them. And usually if you argue with someone, that's not persuasion. 
We're to find a way, and this is what the, this is what the writer's talking about here. He says, find a way to take the words I have put in you and persuade in a sharp, easy way to persuade them deeply into the life of your kids. And so it's our reason, our job, to do this. And sometimes, I think this happens in the church a lot. I think this happens in our homes a lot. I think lots of times we come to the Word, to our kids, and we say, this is the Word of the Lord. You try to, you try to force this whole thing into somebody. Try to push that in. It won't go. It ain't going to go. And we come to our kids and we say, this is a word, this is a word, this is a word. Try to push that into somebody. It ain't going to go in. It ain't going to go in. Now, sometimes what will happen in church, and sometimes what will happen in things like that, in, 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 in church or if we have activities and things like that, there will be, there will be an encounter with the word, and we'll get hit by it, and we'll go like, wait, that was something. What was that? But then someone needs to come along and with the sharp, whetted word of God, penetrate deeper than just here. Sometimes God speaks and, it, and we're like, wait, what was that? Lots of t- I'm, I'm going to tell you, that happens in church. That happens at events. But the sharp, deep persuasion will probably happen somewhere else. Can I be real honest with you? We've been talking about these home groups and things like that. I, I have not been a... Uh, it just, I just didn't... I'm going to just be honest with you. I did not understand why people thought that was important. I was like, my whole life I've grown up, we've been to church, and, and, and that really worked well for me. And uh, I was talking to somebody about that, and he said, and this person said, the reason it worked well for you is because you had someone at home that you could go and talk to about with those things. And he said, in the world we live in, nobody has any parents. Lots of parents don't talk to their kids about anything. He said, and lots of people have grown up and they never talked in their family. They went to church on Sunday morning. Lots of people, and we've, heard, we've seen this and, and, and Tony Blackstock has seen this in uh, a Men's Encounter. Kale's seen it at Men's Encounter. People say, I went to church. We, I, I've heard people testify when I went to Men's Encounter. They've testified to this. I went to church, but it never... And what they did was they went to church. They got hit. But then when they went home, they never talked about it. There wasn't someone there saying, okay, my kid got hit with this. How do I take this and get it into my kid deep enough that it makes some sense? They would go to church. They would get hit by the word, but it would never get in. It would never get in, and there wasn't nobody to come alongside. And I'm going to tell you, the world is full of people like that. And I'm going to tell you, the persuasive, deep, penetrating word of God is probably not going to happen a whole lot in this setting. I'm not saying that it doesn't. I have had several times when sermons have penetrated my heart. But most of the time, it's a... And I needed someone else to come alongside of me. And I was lucky I had that. I've got that in my home. Me and my wife can do that with each other. I've been able to do that with my kids in my home. 
But the things I remember in life, I'm just being honest with you, and this really hurts my feelings, but I don't remember most sermons that I've ever heard. Now, don't say that. I mean, you can feel that way, but just don't say it out loud. But I know it's true. Sermons are made to... But what we need and what we've missed out on and what this generation needs and whatever generation needs, and here's the deal. We live, in a, we live in a generation of broken families. That's just the way it is. It's just the way it is. Mom and dad are broken. People, you talk about good, good father. We sing that song. There's so many people, maybe even here this morning, they go, good, good father. They don't know what a father is. I'm just being honest this morning. They don't know what father is. They don't understand father, mother. All they understand is broken, and, and that's all they understand about it. And so what we need as a church, and especially our older folks that have been immature in the Lord, we need to be parents. We need to be what they're talking about in here. When we need to figure out a way, how do I, in my age, take what God has so graciously given me and sharpen it and whet it to where I can get it into a new believer's life Because that probably will not happen in here as much as it might happen in. We're just sitting around the table. This is what's going on in my life. This is what my kids are doing. How in the world do I react to a kid that's doing stuff like this? How in the world do I, what do I do? Me and my wife, this is what's going on in our life. And what they really need is someone who has walked the path before, who God has pricked deep into their heart some truth, and that married couple or that married man or that married woman speak into their life and say, okay, hold still. And that cannot happen in this setting. But it needs to happen. And it didn't really need to happen so much for me because it happened to me long ago and it happened to me while I was growing up and my mom and dad was doing that. And it happened to me in my home when I was married and we were, we were doing that together. But so many people, that doesn't happen. And so I think there is a need for that. And we need parents, fathers, this is your job. Mothers, this is your job. Older people, who have been following the Lord for years, you may need to step out of what is comfortable for you and step into a situation where there are young people, young married families who need someone to take what is in you. You need to take what is in you and whet it and sharpen it and push it in deep to them gently so that they can hear it. I've asked Dr. Hollingsworth to come and he's going to, demonstrate this to you this morning I got a letter that my daughter gave to me this morning from my son in Africa and my son if you don't know Dr. Hollingsworth has never done this before (laughs) Dr. Hollingsworth is an acupuncturist or is that what it's called acupuncturatologist (laughs) <laughs> or whatever. And uh, in, in Luke's letter to me, he mentioned, I can't tell you how many hundreds of sermons my son has heard me preach. 
Hundreds. Hundreds. And he only mentioned one sermon I had ever preached. But he did, he did, do you need me? You're fine, go ahead. He did mention, oh, it's already in there. Okay. He did mention, some, he did mention something I, I said at, around the table. One of, my daughters, one of my daughters mentioned something that I had said while we were getting ready for school one morning, while we were praying. Just little things that we did deep. Ah! No, I'm just <laughs> See what? See that? Little th- and Dr. Hollingsworth says, the deeper you get them, the more good they do. You see these little needles here, and I and I talked to Dr. Hollingsworth about because when I was when I was thinking about this and preaching about and thinking about this in my mind, I thought, what is really sharp? And I was talking to Vicky, and I said, do you think Dr. Hollingsworth would stick a needle? And we were going to stick one plumb through my hand, but I decided not to. And he said, he said the really, really. She said, she said we have some that are really, really long, and she said they are honed microscopically so that they will slide in really deep. And I said, that's what I want. And she goes, those go in your rear end. (laughs) I said, I don't think we want to do that on Sunday morning. I don't think we want to do that on Sunday morning. But she said, she said, she said, Greg gets the really, really sharp ones and they're honed really, really sharp so that they go in deep. And I can, I can, I felt it a little bit. But Greg, he'll hit them, and then he'll stick them in deeper. And because they're so sharp, and because they're so smooth, you can't feel them hardly at all. But they do good. And he says, he said, I could put them in different places. And he said, and they'll go deep, and they'll really help you. And he said, there's things you can do. When I was reading that letter from Luke this morning, he said, Dad, I remember one time where it hit me pretty hard. But then he started talking about little times that I didn't even think of. But I was trying in my best to take what God had in me, what little it was, to whet it and sharpen it and push it into him. And he said, I remember that. I remember things. I remember different things that different people have said in, in their life. They don't even remember things. I remember guys that I went to church with, things my mom and dad taught me. That were, I said, that were said to me over and over and over again. I've said things to my sons. I've said things to my daughters over and over and over again, just trying to push in a little bit here, just push in a little bit there, trying not to beat them over the head with stuff, but just push a little bit here, a little bit there, to dig, get it in deep so that it does a lot of good. But it needs to be sharp. It needs to be well thought out. Dads, I want to encourage you today. First of all, you can't give away what you don't have. Have the Word of God in you. I like this little, I like this little, whatever you call this. What do they call this? Uh, What is it? An example? I like this little example here. Find a way, and the Word says that's your job. Find a way to take what God has put in you Sharpen it and whet it. Stick it in your kid so it stays and that it does a good job. Put it in deep. Because, they go, because they're sharp, they go in deep 
and they do a good job. I hope that's been encouraging to you today. I'm not ever going to take these out. I think, look at that. It's not going to hurt me. We was, he said, he came Wednesday night and he says, okay, I want to do this to you so you're not going to be surprised. And he said, he said, if I did this back in here, you know, of course he knows everything about it. He goes, if I did this back in here or something like this, he said there would be un, what, what is it? Irre, irre, irreversible damage. And I'm like, well, don't go back there. You know, but think about, I want you to think about dads. I need to find the sharp things that God says, and I want to push it into my kids deep so that they remember it. Let's all stand. I want to pray for you this morning. Father, your word is very clear. It says, you serve me first. Let me be everything in your life. And that's our job today as dads, for you to be everything in our life. And Father, right now, I pray that you would speak into the lives of every man here. And Father, I pray that you would convict us. If you're not everything to us, I pray that right now we would say, God, I want you to be everything. And then that scripture says, then. Father, we are to take what you have spoken into us. We are to sharpen it and smooth it out to where we can stick it into our kids deep. So it will penetrate their hearts so that they would follow you. And your word tells us to do that. So Father, today I pray that you would encourage us as fathers to do this. So that our kids will know who you are. Father, thank you for our fathers. Thank you for our dads today. Help us to be the dads and fathers you've called us to be. We love you and we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's pray the prayer of Jabez together. Oh, that you would bless me indeed.